Congress remains at an impasse over much of the federal budget, you've probably heard. In a few weeks, it will have to agree on whether to raise the debt ceiling, threatening the next showdown. Yet, at least in the House, the new Congress has shown some bipartisanship in the way it governs itself. Hopefully, that could bide well for the future. Here with more, the Firewall Editor-in-Chief, David Hawkins. David, this rules package that the House approved with bipartisan support, what's that all about? Usually, the uh, the, the second order of business uh, at the start of every new Congress, the first order of business is the election of a speaker, and then the second order of business is that the, uh, the majority party uh, gets to uh, shove through the first party-line vote of the year, which is a party-line vote on what the rules are going to be to govern this the House of Representatives for the next two years. Uh, there was a wrinkle in that this year, um, which is that they, the, the Democrats agreed to shove most of it down the Republicans' throats along party lines, but there was one piece of it that they held out because they were hoping uh, that a bunch of Republicans would vote for it, and in fact, they did. Uh, what this is was, was a, a vote to create a, a one-year com- committee. I, it's going to be called the Select Committee on Modernizing Congress. For one year, it passed with, I think, more than 400 votes. I think there are only a dozen or so most very, very conservative Republicans who voted against it. Uh, so it was a glimmer of bipartisanship in which uh, Republicans and Democrats alike agree that uh, Congress really hasn't taken a serious look at its own operations in about three decades. There was something like this in the early 90s. And it is, and this is an overdue thing. What will come of it? You know, I think it obviously remains to be seen whether it's going to be big and bold or narrow and technical. Uh, they're going to be looking at everything from the committee structures and the power of the leadership uh, to more um, behind the scenes stuff like the, the technical capacity of Congress, which is pretty behind the scenes. It's actually it's computer systems, it's servers, it's networking capacities, its ability to, to, to communicate with the real world and communicate with itself. Uh, and one of the ones that I think is the most important, which is how staffers are compensated. Time and time again, when people think about why has Congress, why is Congress dysfunctional? Why has Congress ceded so much power to the executive branch over the last several decades? Uh, what, the non, what the experts say who aren't trying to score political points is staffers aren't getting paid enough. Staff salaries have declined in real terms over the last couple of decades. It's creating a big brain drain on the Hill where really young people come and work on the Hill for a couple of years and then they leave. Not a lot of people stick around because there's not an opportunity to make a decent living. And therefore, sort of the institutional institutional knowledge of Congress has really atrophied. Uh, And what that does is that gives power not just to the executive branch, but to lobbyists on K Street to sort of dictate the terms of the debate. So the thought is, Maybe this commission will come up with in a bipartisan way with a way to say, look, we, we know uh, that we should not be, you know, in general, we want to hold things tight. But Congress has more than done its fair share uh, to cut its own budget in the last two decades. And if we're going to have any strength at all, we need to pay our staffers more. Well, first of all, let's talk about more on the political side that they would be talking about reforming, and that is changing the way and the powers of leadership. What form could that possibly take? For example, the oversight agenda in the House Government Reform Committee is changing radically, and I think both sides seethe in silence when the other side is in power on that. So maybe some more agreement on what's reasonable in that type of environment might be part of this? That could be that would be one of the bigger and bolder ones. I mean, you know, it's 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 a it's a sort of a political truism that nobody likes to give up power, 
nobody likes you know politics to the hammer the world's a nail right so to a to a member of congress uh, jurisdiction and authority are what you want at all costs so it's very hard to get members of congress to to give back authority so for example reforming the budget process uh, might be something that they could think about um you know where they would talk about uh, setting budgets and doing and doing routine oversight of agencies and departments in one year and doing the spending decisions in another year. But that would require uh, the members of the spending committee, the appropriations committees, to give up power and only exercise it once every other year, and they're very reluctant to do it. On oversight, um, I think you're exactly right that this is threatens to become, or it has become in the last 25 years, you know, a highly partisan piece of Congress. It used to be when I first moved here, um, to start paying attention to Congress in the late 80s and the early 90s, there was a bipartisan interest in rooting out um, waste, fraud, abuse, misbehavior, poor, poor program administration uh, in all across the government. Uh, and starting in the mid 90s, in the Clinton administration, it became these oversight hearings became more than anything sure. gotcha exercises with one party going after the other. So is there a way one one party is members of Congress going after the administration of another. Um, it, would be a, it would be a major, major um, contribution of this, co of this committee, which by the way, any of its recommendations have to have two thirds support. So they have to have bipartisan support if they could come up with some way to make the oversight and the issuing of subpoenas and the decisions of what to look at more bipartisan. We're speaking with the firewall editor in chief, David Hawkins, and on some of the technical and capacity issues I mean, you've got leadership now in the majority that is collectively 157 years old or something and has been there since, you know, time immemorial. Do they right. – I mean, will they understand why a searchable PDF might be a good way to publish a bill in instead of the crazy documents that you can't search now, that kind of thing? Uh, I think I th 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 that's the hope. I mean, and I think the, they were – the Democratic leadership, I mean, what you're speaking about there is, yes, Mrs. Pelosi, Mr. Hoyer, the, the majority leader, Mr. Clyburn. Um, the, the yeah, 225 years House old. Majority leaders. I think they're each, they're, right, they're each going to turn 80 in the during this Congress, I believe, or at least somewhere, somewhere they're all closing in on 80. Um, so that's that's a lot of, uh, that's a, their life experiences um, do not include uh, the sort of modern communication skills and, and, and questions about, um, social media and questions about writing PDFs. They, they, this is not their thing. They've turned this committee over to a much younger member, a guy named Derek Kilmer, who represents uh, suburban Seattle, represents uh, Tacoma, Washington. So sort of a, a tech, he's a, he's a tech savvy guy. Uh, so they've at least put him in charge and he knows what he's doing and will not uh, ask the kind of questions that sort of made Congress look a little bit foolish during the Facebook hearings last last fall when people seem to be confusing Facebook with their with their iPhone. Uh, so, yes, I think that there is a there is at least a an understanding by the leadership, the older leadership, that the world has passed. The technological world has maybe passed them by, certainly passed Congress by. And it's time for younger people to decide what how, how, to, how to rectify that. There's a bigger issue there, too, because in the age of social media, a very small crowd that is good with the tools and is good with bots can make some issue seem like there's a gigantic groundswell of public support or opposition to something when in fact it's just a few thousand people that are really good at Twitter or really good at igniting something on Facebook. And so maybe some more technical savvy in the part of the leadership would help them understand when something 
is to be paid attention to because there really is public opinion shift or when it's just people manipulating social media to make it look like this is what the country thinks. I think that's that's an excellent point. There are about 100 uh, freshman members this year, and there's one who seems to be getting the, the lion's share of attention because she is the youngest woman ever elected to Congress, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who represents the Bronx and Queens. She is she is deserving of attention for this reason, if nothing else, which is there was a study out over the weekend showing she's got now got the second largest Twitter following in the country after the president. She is showing that it's also, you know, possible politicians need to learn to harness this stuff because they can, if they do it right, they can, they really can create, you know, a large grants or large movement for themselves and not just rely, as you, you were pointing out, also an important thing to, to know that others can manipulate to create an illusion um, and both things need to be addressed. David Hawkins is editor in chief of the nonprofit congressional news site, The Firewall. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to The Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.